You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi. This is episode number 962. Dr. Deborah Dupree from Relationships at Work is taking strides when it comes to helping people recover from drama and trauma from their past to discover positive karma. Dr. Dupree joins us to share how we can all overcome our obstacles to truly flourish and grow into mature and strong leaders. Dr. Dupree, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Richard. I'm delighted to be here. It's nice to have you here. Let's start by sharing a little bit about your professional background with our audience. Well, thank you. I come from sort of an interesting combination of walks of life. I have a background in psychology, licensed as a psychotherapist. Okay. But I've really worked mostly in the work world, uh, dealing with people issues, particularly around disability, psychological, as well as physical. Mm-hmm. And from there, moved into mediation, mediating different kinds of workplace conflicts. And so I've worked with lots of leaders of all kinds of companies, managers, and employees of all kinds of backgrounds. Okay. So tell me about relationships at work then. What, that's your firm, and what is it, and what do you do? Yes, it is my firm. I'm president and founder of Relationships at Work. And I was at a turning point in my life back in the middle or first decade of 2000 and just said, you know, it's time for a change. And what is it that I really do? And as I looked at everything I had done over my 20 years up to that point, realized that no matter what point I was being called in, it was some kind of relationship. Mm. Uh, relationship between employees, between uh, employees and leaders, uh, sometimes even with customers, vendors, as well as the relationship with the work environment. And so, hence the name Relationships at Work. What type of, what do you do when you're, when you're called in? Well, it ranges anywhere from consulting with leaders about a particular people problem that they have that okay. may not have uh, you know, some, some basis in some other format that they already have, consulting with leaders, guiding them, um, helping them plan strategically, uh, particularly around uh, issues that could become potential lawsuits. Wow. And uh, then also it might be actually mediating uh, between parties involved in conflict. Sometimes they're of a legal nature. Sometimes they're just simply a relationship matter. Right. And then also coaching. You know, sometimes uh, people need to have a little bit of one-on-one time to redirect their problem behavior in terms of how they can become better employees, mm. uh, better leaders, um, increasing productivity, reducing conflict. So like you that. must lean on your professional education quite extensively for the work that you're doing in the workplace. Absolutely. So so the, the human condition can be a very complex one, yes? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so diagnosing that and helping to remediate and heal that is probably no small challenge for many organizations. Right. And, you know, I don't really go into the business, although I'm qualified to do that in terms of making clinical diagnoses. That's not the, the point, really, when it comes to workplace. It's basically helping people understand what kind of behavior we're seeing and then what kinds of interventions can be taken to redirect that kind of behavior. Okay. In the open, I talked about uh, recover from drama and trauma. So how do you help people find their innermost best in a work environment? Yeah. Excellent question. Um, You know, one 
I went back to school, actually, um, just a few years ago um, to finally get my doctorate degree, something wow. I'd wanted to do forever. Wow. Life happened, you yeah, know. Yeah, right. And uh, finally said, you know, I just need to do this for myself. And so um, and it was a fascinating journey because what the field of psychology is based on today is quite different from what it was when I went to graduate school many really? years ago. Okay. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So interestingly is that um, with the advances in the medical field with the use of MRIs, mm-hmm. We can now study the live brain. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so we can see how the brain reacts under different circumstances um, from different um, how things are said, uh, what's going on in the environment. And as a result of that, we have a much deeper understanding of of the impact of trauma. And it doesn't have to be really big trauma. It can be small traumas. But traumas that happen throughout our lives mm-hmm. actually do impact our Can you define trauma? Yeah. I mean, we, you probably are familiar with like post-traumatic uh, stress uh, trauma or disorder, you know, from major events like war or maybe uh, tsunamis or hurricanes, mm-hmm. natural disasters, things like that. So those can certainly be traumatizing. Uh, but a trauma can also be loss of a job, um, maybe a failing marriage, uh, maybe the loss of a loved one, uh, or even... Um, you know, not succeeding goals. Right. You know, passed over for a promotion. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so we're impacted by those kinds of things, and there is a, an emotional upset. And what we now know that um, emotions are actually hardwired. Okay. And so, when we have these kinds of traumas at various levels, and particularly. And I myself had a period of about five years where, oh my gosh, what else can, can keep happening in my life? You know, with loss of family members and the economy and loss of contracts, you know, bam, 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 bam. Yes. And so, you know, it impacts us. And so we actually get a sort of a re- misdirected firing of our neurons in our brain, actually, that can help contribute to how we feel and therefore how we act. Excellent. We're talking with Dr. Deborah Dupree. We're talking about her firm, Relationships at Work. You're listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, and we're going to take a short commercial break here on the program. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be one short uh, commercial message for something that I do here in the Critical Mass business, so I would appreciate it if you could listen to it here on octalkradio.net. When we come back from that short commercial break, I'm going to ask Dr. Dupree to discuss the five ways you can avoid, you can use to avoid being a bad boss. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this commercial message. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Math for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Music 
told you it'd be fast. This is Rick, Richard Franzi here on octalkradio.net. If you'd like to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, it's very simple. Go to my website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. At the bottom of any page, uh, except the homepage, I believe, is the uh, mailing list. You can uh, put your email address in there, hit send. Automatically, like magic, you'll start receiving our weekly newsletter. And I just want to let you know that we do nothing else with your email address except enroll you in our weekly newsletter so dr deborah jupiti is our guest relationships at work is her firm before the break i said i was going to ask her to discuss her five ways to avoid for you help you to be uh, avoid being a bad boss so dr dupree can you share those with my audience please absolutely thank you yes these five ways are based on years of experience in terms of training, intervening through mediation and in working with some of the leaders I saw and some of the ways they behaved and what caused employees angst in the workplace. But it also came out of my doctoral dissertation, my which was on the psychology of good bosses versus bad bosses. Okay. And so um, what I uncovered and based on my research and, and the years of experience is that the five key ways that people can really focus on and, and to avoid a bad bossing reputation is first and foremost to take a look at how do they present themselves, um, both physically, body language, as well as vocal tones, and, and really learn to powerfully present in a persuasive and influential way. Okay. Okay, so that's number one. So working on your presentation skills, shall we say, or your, your, right. your being. Um, the second thing is to really understand and work with generational and gender differences. We spend a lot of time of diversity working on cultural things, but there's, you know, this is the first time we've had four to five generations in the workplace. And mm-hmm. as you might imagine, right. they're all very different. Right. Yeah, and they have different values, v- different needs that are shaped by you know, factors that have happened in, in his history as well as technology. Okay. And then from a gender perspective, again, we, we've always known men and women are different, right? So I've been told. Yes, okay. Well, now, from again, from all the brain research that's been done over the last 20 years, we are, are now uncovering there are structural differences in how males' and females' brains function. Huh. Yeah, and so it sort of gives you the scientific basis then for why males do certain things, females do certain things, and the differences. And so by understanding that, now we can choose how to engage more effectively Hmm. with people from different backgrounds. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. And then, of course, three is all around communication strategies and and, uh, conflict management. And so a lot, you know, you probably have heard the the phrase, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Sure. Yeah, and so... uh, that's where we really take a look at um, helping you, you know, sort of fine-tune your communication in terms of what you say, how you say it, even helpful phrases that can be used to interject in your conversations. And then also, for many, many people, it's really difficult to um, engage in a conversation where there's already been conflict, and particularly if that other right. person's perceived as a difficult person. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So again, provide strategy and structure for that. Okay. And then that really sort of leads to the importance of developing your emotional intelligence. And a lot of people aren't real familiar with what that term means, but what we again came out of the, you know, neuroscience and Daniel Goleman is the father, mm-hmm. so to speak. Sure. Uh, basically realizing that our our intellect, our you know, our, our um, IQ is really only about 30% of who we are. And, and the much that larger part, the vast um, majority of who we are is what we call this emotional intelligence. And so that's really sort of been defined in four key ways. Um, developing self-awareness right. of 
how do you get triggered and what's your own physiological and emotional response? Uh, we know there are four core emotions, uh, fear, anger, shame, and happiness. Notice anything about that? No. Fear, anger, shame, and oh, happiness. Oh, yes. Three out of four are not good. Not, not, not too good. Okay, yeah. thank no, at you. At least Sorry. Not on a negative standpoint, yeah. And, um, and so really recognizing what comes up for you and what might be the source of some of that. And then, um, and then taking a look at... Uh, our self-management, what do we do in the moment when we're triggered? Mm-hmm. How, you know, how do we come, it goes back to your presentation again. But then also developing awareness of others, how are others impacted by how you come across, and also what's going on for them, where are they coming from, then learning how to manage that relationship. So that's all part of the emotional intelligence piece of it. Mm-hmm. And so it incorporates some, some of the other things that I've already talked about. And then lastly, it's really um, about how to develop the people around you, uh, whether it's to help develop your coworker, um, to help develop your subordinates if you're a manager, but also how do you help develop managing up? Right. Okay. Because sometimes we have bosses we don't get to pick. Right. Right. And so it's really that sounds about, more challenging. Yeah, it is. It is a development plan for your boss. Yeah, <laughs> but there's strategy to okay. it. Okay. <laughs> right. That's valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, so those are the five keys that I've found that if people really embrace, they really can. You know, make a really powerful and persuasive presence in all wow. that they do. We're talking with Dr. Deborah Dupree a, a little bit about what she's learned from practical experience as well as educational background. Her firm is Relationships at Work. Final question, or next to final question, how can people discover emotional potential for powerful persuasion and influence? How, how do you work with people? Because I think every most people would like to get along with the people that they work with. They don't want to have an unpleasant workplace, generally speaking. I think the human condition is can't we all get along kind of a thing. So in your work, how do you help them with the emotional potential for powerful persuasion and then positive influence? That can really take form in, in several ways. Um, one is definitely doing training, do, doing training for a group of people and teaching them some of these core concepts. And, uh, you know, in terms of, I say, the five ways to become, you know, to avoid being a bad boss actually can be applied at any level. Okay. Yeah. And so by developing yourself, developing your people, by training and sharing around a common language, then people learn, um, be, are given an opportunity of really developing some new rules of engagement for their work environment. So having a conversation, you know, um, how do you like to be approached when there's a problem? Uh, what, wh- how do you want to handle it if there is a conflict? And so having those conversations earlier and getting to know people um, on a, a deeper level is, is critically important for people and teams who need to work closely together. Do you find, Dr. Dupree, that if a leader is actually trying to improve, like engaging with you, coaching program, that just that mere act can help the people that work for him or her feel better about that individual as their leader? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and I'm going to draw on the quote of Warren Bennis. I'm not sure if you're mm-hmm. familiar with him. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he says, you know, you know, good leaders know how to make each and every employee feel at the heart of the organization. And when they do, then they they the people feel truly valued. Right. They they feel like they truly are contributing to the organization in a meaningful way. And they, in turn, feel good about what they're giving back. Right. And so morale goes up, too. And so it's a, it's a, it's a win-win, both-gain kind of situation. Yeah, it seems, uh, uh, one, with the millennials now in the workforce, this type of ability is, I think, even more important than with the previous three generations that are still in and around the workforce. Mm-hmm. And so that's clear. And for me, um, in my work, I believe the number one competitive differentiator differentiation that a company can have is having an engaged workforce 
Absolutely. And this is all stuff to help you as a leader create that environment that can that allows for engagement to to flourish, I believe. Absolutely. And I, I'll just acknowledge, because you brought the word up, engagement, um, that really gained some popularity out of the 2008 study by Gallup, uh, where they took a look at what what motivates people and, yes. and how motivated are people. And it was pretty surprising. Only about 20% are considered highly engaged. Yes. And a good 60% yeah. are moderately to marginally yeah. engaged. Or uh, disengaged. Yeah. Uh, yes. Right. You have people in your company that are actively disengaged from being there, which is unfortunate. Yes. And it's the leader's job to know who they are and try to help them or have them, help them to leave properly if you can't remediate them. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So if someone wants to learn more about the work that you do for C-level executives and companies, how do they find you online? Um, at my website. Okay. At, okay. And www.relationships-at-work.com. Com. Okay. And uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, so you can look me up by my name there, as well as the business page on Facebook. And how do you spell your name? Dr. Deborah Dupree, D-E-B-R-A-D-U-P-R-E-E. Thank you for your time today, uh, being a friend of the community and the radio show and a part of the Critical Mass community. It's great to have you on the program today. Thank you so much, Richard. I really enjoyed it. Mine too. All right. I'd like to thank uh, our engineer for today, Paul Roberts. Our producers are Haley Stern, Crystal Nunley, and Joan Park. I'm your host, Richard Franzi, and until our next episode, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 